Welcome to the Listics AFL podcast, where we analyze AFL list building, free agency, trade, and the draft. We're also working to help everyone achieve their best possible mental health, and we'd like to acknowledge our podcast partners, Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or you need to talk to someone, please contact the team at Beyond Blue. You can call them anytime on 1300 22 46 36, or visit them at the website at www.beyondblue.org.au. Now, without further ado, I'm John Van Norden. And I'm Sean Lewis, and it's Listics Podcast Time. Hey, nice dancing there, big boy. How are you, mate? Good, mate. I'm not doing a premiership dance like you are. Um, this is the uh, this is the fallout the the week the weeks of breaks between the oh no, it's got the scarf out as well. Um, between the last pot and this one is all due to down to Sean's um, lavish celebrations. Yeah, grand final hangover. <laughs> Three weeks later. How but, was it, no, mate? Talk, no, us through, talk us through it. Yeah, look, I mean, um, most Demons fans will, will probably relate. It was pretty emotional. Um, I think it was a ripping game up until probably five minutes to go in the third quarter. Um, and then I'm not really sure what happened, but um, I think someone uh, may have decided that he didn't want to see us lose in, um, and he wanted to take Norm home with him and uh, Petraka turned it on. And um, yeah, I last 15 minutes was pretty emotional not gonna lie sitting on the couch um oh yeah definitely in tears and you know had had my daughter with me and my wife and you know it's a shame not to be able to be at the game but you know um at least i can say i've seen us win one in my lifetime which is uh something my dad was worried he was not going to be able to say so yeah um yeah it's it, it was look it was awesome um i you know, the, the final score line really was fattened up, I guess. I didn't think the dogs played um, that badly at all. Um, but yeah, it's it was pretty awesome, i got to say. Yeah, they didn't play that badly. In fact, they played really well. Um, yeah. The these definitely took it away from them rather than the other way around. Yeah. Um, and it was until halfway through the third quarter one of the closer most more evenly matched grand finals that we've seen in a long time um but you guys yeah played exceptionally well um and managed to take it away from them and put it out to a point where it was un um unreal inable um and yeah. it was awesome to see um i think as a neutral fan as well uh, even the last quarter, really, because the last quarter was more of a celebration by the end, but there was still a little bit shaky, um, shakiness in the maybe the dogs can turn it back on. Everyone had been scoring to one side of screen and yeah. there were still some questions at that stage. I think for anyone who sits there and says that, you know, um, look, we, we, I, think, I think we're all... Um, we don't like all the rule changes. I think that's probably fair enough to say. Um, but uh, for any anyone who who kind of said that the the stand rule and you know the six 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 type rules that they didn't make a more attractive game. Well, you had two sides who could score six goal runs at the drop of a hat um, in that final, and you know that was yeah. I mean, I mean, look put aside my team one, the the scoring power was incredible from both sides. The way they both took it away from each other multiple times. And, you know, 
it came down to a dominant midfield, yes. But, you know, at the same time, for Melbourne to to change the game, you saw the power of having a good second ruck. Yeah. Um, and you saw the power of, yeah, it, it's just a, it was a really good, for a grand final, it was a great example of what you want to show our game as. Like yep. you, you would play up to three quarter time and you would say that is, you know, that's that's what we want to present to the world as the as our game, the best game. Um, and then, yeah, the last quarter showed, you know, some pretty awesome power from Melbourne and that's fine. But it, it was, yeah, it was just a really good game. Uh, and I thought, you know, it was interesting the days after um, reading some of the headlines, you know, um, the rule change that delivered Melbourne a, a, a premiership and they were talking about the 666. Yeah. And I almost fell off my chair because the 666 arguably set us back. <laughs> For two years because yeah. we had a game that was built on, you know, outrunning the zone by moving the ball at breakneck speed. Yeah. Um, and 666 all of a sudden, you know, we, we used to line up with eight in our back line and run two off the back of the square. 666 killed that game plan. The same way the third man up killed the dogs game plan in, yep. in 2017. Like, you know, both the sides that are in there have had rules changed. <laughs> that have meant they've had to adapt and they've both made it back to the pinnacle. Oh, well, Melbourne got to the pinnacle the first time. The dogs got there again um, for the second time in five years, which is a credit to, to you know, Simon Goodwin, who I've been highly critical of and I'll eat my words now. Um, you know, he did a great job. He looks like a different coach this year, just completely within himself and, you know, um, I really enjoyed watching some of his press conferences this year. Like he doesn't throw people under the bus. He was really calm and collected. Whereas in past years you've seen strain and stuff on him. And this year he just looked calm and, and that really presented in the group. I think having guys like Choco and Uze and these guys around him has helped, you know, Uze is a terrific tactician by all accounts. Um, and Choco is, is famed for his ability to motivate and, de- and develop players and, you know, you listen to, you know, um, like James Harms and Ed Langdon talk about Choco as older players, not even the younger guys, just as older players. You know, Ed Langdon talked about him improving his kicking and stuff. And, and you know, that that's a real testament to be able to adapt. Um, and, and, you know, the football club made the right decision to stick fat with him. So I was wrong on that one. And I'm happy to put my hand up and cop that one on the chin. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the things, and I mean, I was pretty critical of him as well over the last few years. One of the things that this shows is that um, it's it shows potentially one of two things. I don't know if I've got enough information to say either way. Uh, one is that either clubs, when they back in a coach, know far more than uh, fans do. When fans are calling for the head, think of um, Mark Thompson, uh, Dimmer Hardwick, uh, a lot of these coaches that have coached um, Bucks, quite un- yeah, Bucks, quite unquote dynasty teams. Um, but Bucks is a team that made a grand final. Um, but those other three teams um, were all back against the wall. Um, coach under a lot of pressure after not performing to expectations um, and the club coming in and backing the coach and saying, no, 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 that we're going down the right process. We need to change some other things, but but the process is right. Um, and I think that's the the big one uh, was 
just seeing it play out. And I don't, as I said, I don't know if there's enough data to say that that is true um, or if it's more just a hypothesis. But um, yeah, I was, was really impressed at Melbourne. Yeah, I think, the, look, I think ultimately it's like building any good team. You, you've got to find people that one, get along and two, have skills that cover gaps. And what I would have said, one of the things I always disliked with their coaching group is they all seem very much off of the same, they like cut off the same rock. Yeah. Effectively. Like they all felt like they were very similar. Um, and, you know, Uze, Choco, these guys they've brought in, you know, promoted some other guys as well. They, they just seem to be not the same and, and it helped cover the gaps. Goodwin's always been a, a good personal coach. Like you hear stories from, from players about how good he is one-on-one. Um, but I, my biggest criticism on him was always that he never had a plan B. Um, yep. And this year we had a plan B. And why is that? Well, maybe, oh, I don't know, but I'll, I'll speculate and say it was was Adam Uze, who who is a noted tactician. Yep. And the fact that Goodwin was on the bench talking to his players pretty much the whole season rather than in the box probably says as much as well. Um, yep. and, and I, But I really like that because that plays to his strengths. He can influence a player in the moment and, you know, someone else can worry about tactics. And he's he's ultimately got the call as well. Like he, he would have all the information in his hands as he's talking to players. So, look, it, it was, yeah, it was fantastic. And the same with, you know, Bevo's a mad genius in a lot of ways. You know, there's some things he does that dumbfound us. And, um, but, you know, he's, he's made another grand final and, like, you know, you... you you might sit there and go, "What are you doing?" But <laughs> he keeps yeah. proving himself right. So gets, you got you... gets pretty good results, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Can't argue with the results at times. Um, no. Um, like... how, how's things with you, mate? Just before we jump into it, I know we're going to hook in and. No, no, no. I was I was going to say good, but what I was going to say is after all of that commentary that you gave just then, I still can't believe you haven't watched Ted Lasso. Um, it's. Honestly, if uh, if you're listening, you're looking for a show and you have access to Ted Lasso on Apple Plus or other illegal means that I won't promote, um, then you should 100% watch it. Um, great sports, drama, comedy, um, and yeah, a lot well, of. I'm not, of... I'm, I don't. I don't have either access to either of those. So <laughs> yeah, you you uh, won't you won't do the illegal one and you don't have access to the Apple one. Um, no. But but I if you're speaking about good sports stuff, uh last night I started watching um the first episode of a sport a new sports docker that's coming out on um Netflix called Bad Sports. Um cool. and it's about some of like the controversies. Um so the first one was about um college basketball point shaving in in the um early nineties. Um, and yeah, like, it, I mean, I lo- I'm a massive sports doco fan. Um, I love my 30 for thirties from ESPN and, um, probably the best, the best sports doc I've ever watched is Icarus. If you've ever, if no one's seen it, go look yeah, it up. It's good. probably the best sports doc I think I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, so, and look at it, it, by all means, it's, it's quite good. <laughs> the, that one as well, if you like your docos. So, um, but that's enough about promoting that. Let's yeah. promote mental health. How yeah. are you? It's been a while. It's It's been, look, won't lie, lots going on in both our lives. So talk me through how you're going. Um, talk us through the impending changes and 
um how are you feeling and and what's going on yeah um i had probably a roughish two weeks just mental health wise wasn't feeling as sharp and as on uh, this isn't last week this is probably the weeks before um and i realized i was probably in my own head feeling a little bit of pressure and a little bit more isolated from my team because we've all got a lot on our plates um now look that started to correct a little bit in the last week i came on the weekend and um caught up with you for a walk um caught up with one of our other friends tim for a walk um and that's just started to get my head back into the right space and probably realized how much i rely on my good friendships to um i don't know to keep me feeling like i was not going insane um not because I have so much on in my life that it's um, it's crazy, but more just the monotony of um, of normalcy uh, of doing the same thing over and over. Um, and then things have really changed since then. So uh, work has improved a lot, um, and we're in the process of moving house, which is really exciting. So get the keys to the new place in a couple of days and. All that stuff is um, like it's just got me, uh, I guess, re-inspired, and um, I think a change is as good as a holiday. And everyone knows that we um, all need a good holiday after what's been a pretty hard um, 18, 20, almost twenty-four months for a lot of people with COVID. So, summary: feeling good now. Um, was awesome to see you the other week, and um, yeah, really looking forward to the next couple of weeks. It's some exciting stuff happening. How are you? Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I'm I'm doing well. Um, probably a bit like you. Two um a week. So we sold our house and then bought a new place. So that was um in itself a bit of a, an interesting experience. We we um our agent asked us to make a video to send to some buyers advocates um and then said, Oh, while you got the place cleaned up, take a couple of photos and we'll see if we can get them up because obviously people weren't allowed through and we couldn't get photo- photography through and everything. Um so, you know, that week we, we, we ended up my wife and I took a day off and um set up the house, did our little video and took some photos and agent came back and said, Love the photos, uh you going online tomorrow um, we'll have a virtual inspection on Saturday, um, and this is this is on I don't know like a, on a Sunday night maybe, <laughs> and um, you know we were on online on Tuesday, um, and then during the week, the rules changed from virtuals to we could have people through, um, and we were allowed out of the house for four hours. So our agent started at taking two of our four hours to put people through the house, and then slowly. Um, we were out of the house for four hours um, and she had um, a lot of people come through the house, all in a COVID safe way, of course. Um, and then that night we were pretty much sold. Um, so yeah, five days. Um, and then we had to start looking for a new place, uh, which we managed to find one um, and kind of a bit of the opposite process where we, we managed to find a place off market and um, we got an offer accepted, but then the waiting game for the contract to sale and then waiting for the um, the building inspection to go through and then finally, you know, getting to the point of signing contracts. Um, and in the end, rather than waiting the three-day cooling off, we just said stuff it. We've waited two weeks to get to this point. We've had enough time to cool off. 
um, <laughs> we're going through with this. Here's, here's the deposit and let's move on. Awesome. Um, so that was very, very nerve wracking to say the least. I, I was very, I'm not usually an anxious person, but I definitely felt anxiety through that period. Just, um, the state of the unknown. Um, but again, you know, being able to see people, being able to catch up with you for a walk and catch up with some of my family for a walk as well. Um, and, and, you know, parks being open, so being able to take my daughter to the park and the beach and, and everything and just really recenter myself, you know, through connection with, with people and, and environments as well. So, you know, living so close to the beach, we went down to the beach on the weekend, which was just awesome, even though it was 15 degrees and windy. Um, you know, my daughter doesn't care. She, she's happy to build sandcastles in whatever weather. So, um, you know, that was, that was really awesome. And yeah, it's just those simple things kind of bring you back and get you back in the right frame of mind. And, you know, um, everything else benefits when you, when you do it, but you know, you've also got to recognize when, yeah, like when I was struggling, um, you know, being able to talk to my wife and stuff about it really helped and, um, you know, kind of not feeling alone in that situation was important and yeah, getting to see you on the weekend and talk it through and, you know, show you the place, even though we hadn't quite got it over the line and, I was a little bit anxious with all of that as well. So, you know, you're really good at calming me down. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough time at the moment. We're so close to the end. So we just got to hold on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good way of putting it. It's, I mean, it's hard not to feel pretty blessed as well. Like you and I have it pretty easy out of everybody. And that's, um, that always, that always weighs in as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's great to see you. Um, we've got a lot of exciting big things happening and um, hopefully for all um, all Australians, I know that the New South Welshman um, had some additional freedoms um, today, which is fantastic and um, wishing everyone up there all the best and um, still stay safe because obviously this is probably the first example that Australia has of opening up during high case numbers um so it'll be interesting to see how that all that plays out but do stay safe um wishing you all the love here from victoria and um yeah we probably we probably won't be too far behind as in a couple of weeks we'll be hitting vaccination numbers and still have high case numbers so we'll see how it all goes i guess yeah we're just looking at it here so they've obviously hit the 70 percent um seven days away from 80 percent so that's you know that's awesome in in seven days time they'll they will have um i guess that's pretty much open for business i think was from memory with a few little restrictions here and there um but even more exciting for new south wales is in 18 days they will hit 90 percent vaccination which is you know just a huge thing guys so congratulations and you know we hope to be with you soon um you know looking at victoria you know where uh, 12 days off 70, 22 off 80 and 33 off 90. So, you know, um, slowly catching up, but it, you know, it, it is exciting to think that, you know, that's that the state, like New South Wales, as a state has done so well to get all the vaccination they can. And the uptake is enormous. And you're seeing the impacts in their case numbers where they've gone from, you know, 1600 back down to, you know, I think today was, was 500 ish. Um, yeah. Five, four, four ninety eight today. So, you know, like it, it works um, yeah. and we're so close and, you know, that's the thing. Like I keep 
as much as I want to go and sit out the backyard and have a beer with my dad and, and everything, um, who I can't actually see at the moment because we live too far apart. Um, you know, we spoke to each other today and we said, you know, a couple of weeks time, we'll be able to sit down and we'll be able to have that beer and, and catch up. And, you know, for all of us, that's, that, that's what we've just got to do. Just hold on for that little bit longer and we're there. So, um, yeah, that's good. Anyway, let's jump into the podcast. I think we've had a good catch-up here. Yeah, uh, good to catch everyone else up as well. Um, and if you ever need to chat, just reach out to us on Twitter. We're always happy to um, happy to connect and see how things are going with everybody. Um, but yeah, let's launch in. Let's talk about this. Obviously, we're mid-trade period, so we want to talk um, some of the movements and um, free agency and everything. So launch into it, mate. Yeah, okay. So... Um, guess the start point with any good trade episode is uh, talking about the trades to date. So um, we're not going to run in depth here. We're just literally going to look at, I guess, what these trades are doing, what they're trying to do, how it's going to reshape their list or, or I guess, what they're trying to achieve with it in our eyes. Um, so we'll start off uh, free agents-wise. I think there's been a couple of free agents and some... You know, some smart acquisitions here. So first off, Jake Kelly the Essendon, mate. What are you thinking? Uh, easy signing. Um I mean it was one that I was comfortable Adelaide losing. Uh, I think I mentioned that like he isn't someone you want to overpay for. Um if you're Adelaide. So you're going through the early parts of a rebuild, you can't overpay for a mid sized defender. Um he's highly competitive. You wanted to retain him, so for Essendon Great signature. Um, adds credibility and toughness to that back line. He's reliable. So if you're going to be competing, which judging by some of the signatures that Essendon have been making, they've been indicating that they want to compete now. Um, while also Kelly's going to be around for a minimum uh, four or five years. So um, you're, you're signing him for the longer term as well. So good deal. Uh, good deal for Essendon. Um, you would have rather keep him if you're Adelaide, but if it wasn't at the right dollars, then letting him go is the right thing. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm not sure. Given that the compo is pick 42 third round, I don't think it's massive um, dollars being talked about. So um, I think for Essendon, it just, it, you know, Michael Hurley, there's still a question mark there um, as he as he's coming back from, you know, a pretty serious, um, I think it was infection from surgery. So um, I just think Jake Kelly goes a long way to... Um, either fitting in with Michael Hurley or taking over from Michael Hurley either way. Um, I just think it's a, it's a really good signing for them. And I'm probably a bit different. I, I think Adelaide should have kept him. I don't think Adelaide have another replacement easily available considering that Talia's left. So um, I think it hurts hurts Adelaide in the short term. Um, potentially if they go and get a Gibkiss or something, maybe it doesn't hurt them in the long term. So, Just out of interest, do you think Adelaide... Uh, would mind being hurt in the short term? Uh, I, I, I'm thinking about Adelaide from, say, the next two years. They're not going to win a flag. Um, trading out a player that you might be able to replace in a few years' time um, or develop someone in a few years' time into that mould um, while also sacrificing current on-field performance to currently make you maybe perform a little bit worse. Not tanking, just preparing your list for a young. It's not because you're actually shaping your yeah, list yeah, in a different way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think that's that's actually part of this? Um, 
look, they've got a strategy and they're following it, so I'm not against that. I, I, yeah. like, I think we've always said, as long as club, clubs, you know, have a plan and they try, they stick to it rather than being all over the joint, I don't mind it. Um, yeah, they're going to have to play Nick Murray. Was that is that his name? Nick Murray, the yeah, Murray. Yep, yep. I'm not a sure rookie defender. Um, as, yeah. Um, they're going to they've, have to got, play... they've got McCasey. They've also got um, Dodie. It, it just forces them to play all of these guys, the younger yeah. guys as well, um, which is probably part of their strategy. So you're right in saying that he's not a player you want to lose, but you can understand the reasons why they allowed themselves but, to lose him. And here's, so here's my only caveat on it. We've had two massive years of impact, and so you don't actually know what the real junior crops are. Yeah, agree. Um, so the question really is in the next two years, are you going to find that player that's going to fill that hole? Now, one thing they can do by going and getting multiple picks is they can have multiple stabs at it. That's yep. fine. We've got no problems with that. But I'm just, I guess the thing is, is like in a normal situation, you lose a player like Kelly and you, you can kind of look to the draft and go, oh yeah, there's, you know, and look to this year, you know, they could go get, you know, a Bazo or a, um, Van Royen or something, um, yep. With a pit, with a you know twenties pick or something or whatever, and they might be that replacement. Yep. You don't know. Like there, there is, of course, there's all, but it's that chance. And I think Kelly's probably not given where your salary cap is. Kelly's not really going to yeah, yeah, blow it up. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, Marbio Chol to the Gold Coast. Um, right player. Uh, like right player profile, they are don't, they lost all of their rucks this year, so at the very least they needed another ruck. Um, maybe Ochoa can play ruck. Uh, that's a simple one. Um, yeah. he can also play as a second forward. I don't think that he's been an excellent second forward. Um, in the year, and they've already got quite a tall forward line. Um, without many impactful mid-size talls um so potentially i'm not sure about the fit and the fact that it was a higher compensation than kelly as well makes me think that the contract was more than um kelly's uh which again i don't necessarily love um but i understand the fit i think that richmond win here by letting the player go and getting 38 yeah i agree with that oh look i think it's a winning for both parties it's certainly something the sun's needed as you said they lost all their rock depth this year they also lost Sam Day from memory for a big chunk. So, you know, that's a that's a key forward um, to go along with Ben King. Um, so I, I think it's a it's a reasonably good signing for them. Um, I yep. still think Richmond wins uh, getting pick thirty eight because I think as a on the you know, if you were trading, I don't think you're getting thirty eight back. So yep. um, George Hewitt to Carlton. Win win. Um, a bit the same, isn't it? Carlton need to win now. Um, they've got a lot of pressure on them. Uh, new coach, George Hewitt's the best 22 player, perhaps most clubs in the AFL. Um, he, he plays his role really well. He's tough. He, he can run, he can kick, he can do most things pretty well. Um, so he's the best 22 player. That's a good signing anytime. Um, Sydney need an excuse to play other players. Um, they're a developing side, regardless of, um, their performance on field this year. Their off their off season has shown what their intention and where they see themselves, which is they're still a developing side. Yeah. They needed to they, they were willing to not willing to. Maybe there's a element of the player making a choice here, but Dawson going, re signed um Stevens Gould, 
all of the younger brigade um, and commit to them because that's and it's most likely I would say that Reed won't be at the club next year as well. Um, try to commit to a player like Laddams. They're trying to bring their age profile down. Yep. Um, so for them, not playing a 26-year-old that is taking up a spot, but ultimately might be there in three, four years when they're trying to win a flag. Not that they weren't trying to win one this year, but they've still got time to go. They've got more players to come out at the end. They've got JPK. They've got um, Buddy Franklin. They've got Rampy. They've got all of these guys that Parker that are still older and holding them together. Um, and once those guys fall off, they'll yeah, they'll be better because of this. Yeah. Uh, look, I. Yeah, it, it strengthens Carlton's midfield, which they need to do. Um, and Sydney get a reasonably decent pick for a player who, you know, they might like but is not critical to keep is yep. probably the thing. And especially given when they start, like, I mean, you know, this is the problem when you don't know, but it sounds like the salary cap's tight up there. So if the salary cap's tight, you know, you can... I mean, you never like letting a best 22 player go, but... I think they've got enough replacements in the young brigade ready for to take over. And and like you said, if the, it looks like they're viewing themselves in our eyes correctly as a young developing side um, with some older hands around them. Yeah. And if that's the way they see themselves, this is the right move. So. Well, look, when you compare the signing of Jake Kelly to the signing of George Hewitt, uh, that probably puts it in the best light because Carlton see themselves as a side that should be competing for finals, but the signing of Jake Kelly is better. Um, <laughs> he's a he's a better fit. He, by the looks of the contract size, is cheaper, and he plays a harder to fill role. So, the the it's a fine signing, good signing, and they should be trying to sign players like this. I just think they probably also should have been trying to sign players like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's let's move on. Yep. Um, and the grand finalists have done the last two. Um, so Luke Dunstan to Melbourne um, and then Tim O'Brien to the Dogs. So let's talk Dunstan. Great signature. Um, I mean, exactly what Melbourne need. They don't have any of those hard ball winning inside types. <laughs> um, I was wondering how long it would take you to get sarcastic. No, it, it actually, genuinely, um, they, look, that was a sarcastic bit. Actually, is a fantastic signing. Um, Melbourne have shown this year that they will play multiple hard ball winners on the ball for long periods of the game, and don't sacrifice structure if you have an injury. Like that's that's what Dunstan is. He might be able to force his way into that side, but he will play in that side if Viney is injured. He will play in that side if Oliver is injured. He'll probably play in that side if Sparrow is injured. Like, there's a lot of Melbourne players that have similar traits to Dunstan. They yeah. might be better in some areas, um, notably the kick, but Dunstan can step in and play that role to a higher level than what the 23rd player at Melbourne did this year, So, which would say Nate Jones. Nate Jones played a handful of games this year. Dunstan would be in better shape than he is right now. Correct. So I think that's what it is. This signing fills the Jones hole. Yep. Um I Melbourne had an amazing run with the injury this year. So let's not sugarcoat it. Melbourne, you know, like, like I think we've talked about it before in the podcast that to win a flag, you need to have a good run with injury. Um, Melbourne had an amazing run with injury. So um, to consider that we're going to keep having that good run would be madness. So a signing like this is great because 
chances are, you know, uh, a Gus Brayshaw, uh, a Viney, um, you know, they've both had decent stretches out of the game. Even even Petrak has had a couple of decent stretches as well. So having having a guy like Dunstan as your, you know, he can compete with Harms as well and Sparrow. Um, yep. Probably a slightly different player to Jordan. Um, but yeah, so I think it's a I think it's a, a good signing for depth. And I mean, look, Dunstan's come out and said he's backing himself to get in the best twenty two. It's not going to be easy, but um, if I love players that are willing to take on a challenge like that, so good on him. Um, Tim O'Brien to the Dogs. I actually like this. Um, I don't know about you. Love it. Um, yeah. I mean, what what this signing shows um, is how many players you need in your side to make a grand final or win one because Tim O'Brien is better than probably the two or three bottom defenders in the dogs team that ended up playing and the one of them ended up playing the grand final, but a lot of them played most of the year, like Gardner, Cordy, Cordy. those, those guys, he's better than them. Um, but I thought that Hawthorne who are one of the bottom sides in the competition should delist Tim O'Brien and get rid of him mainly because he didn't like, he wasn't going to be part of Hawthorne's future, but also because I thought that he lacked impact. I think those guys also lack impact, but it's showing that football is not just about individuals and their individual traits and their individual abilities. A lot of the time it's about the individual's ability to play as part of something greater, um, a whole. And that. It should be, if anything, a collective for whatever we're saying here about all of these individuals. Um, the ultimate thing is that these guys come into their club and play a role that is going to allow them to get the best out of themselves and the team. Tim O'Brien has the skill sets and traits to be able to do that at the Western Bulldogs. Whether he fits well, we'll see. Yeah, I think he can also play the Eastern Wood role as well. Um, obviously, Wood had... Um, Fritch in the grand final, I think, for a fair chunk of it. Um, so O'Brien can play that third tall role um, very well. Um, probably the most spectacular player to, to not <laughs> grab him, I think, sometimes. Yeah. He, he takes some bloody amazing, you know, um, amazing climbs and, and doesn't quite always get the reward. But, um, oh, look, I think it's good. Uh, you know, anything that improves your, your, your bottom five players in your, in your best 22. Um, and, and I think O'Brien will push for the best 22 given they're not strong in that key defender role. So um, jumping into the trades. So the trades are interesting. Um, I'll try and talk in generalities about a couple of these pick swaps. So um, Collingwood and the Suns uh, traded. So Collingwood got... 22, 46, 58, 79, and a future fourth, and they traded out their future second, third, and fourth. So they upgraded next year's fourth rounder, or maybe not. I think Suns are probably backing themselves to beat Collingwood next year. Um, and they trade out their future uh, second and third to pay for Nick Dacos. Um, so that was obviously the price of trading out last year's first round pick. Um, yeah. So it's ruined two drafts for them. But they'll get Nick Dacos. So, you know, it's, it's not the worst thing. Um, 
Dockers did a pick swap to, and I think this is trying to get the Clark deal over the line. They traded for that 22 that was given from Collingwood um, and they gave away 27 and a future third. Um, I think it's the right move if they can nab Clark. Yeah, if they get Clark, it's the right move. Um, Probably if they held firm for the entire trade period that they could have used 27 um, and a future third and got the deal done anyway directly. Um, but oh, I think they're trying to act in good... I think what I've what I've really liked in this trade period is a lot of clubs acting in good faith. Yeah, agree. Um, and, and look, to be honest, 22 for Jordan Clark is a fair swap. I know um, Geelong are probably sitting there looking at pick 19 and going, we want that. Um, yeah. Do you think Geelong are acting in good faith after of that? Oh, well, I... Mate. I normally don't have to say anything. I have to mention that I own cats in order to roll you up about the cats and their dealings at the trade table. I can, but... I can, I can see them. I can see why they want nineteen. But yeah. I, I do think that I think the Fremantle have done the right thing in in trying to get this deal done. And if it falls over, it's on Geelong. And I would say if it falls over, they have not acted in good faith. Yep. Um. But yeah, I, I think Fremantle's, you know, Fremantle, and they've said it pretty publicly, we're happy to take those, you know, their four top picks to the draft. So, and yep. they should be. So, um, and then there was this monster, the um, the four club trade. Um, yep. But the third, the fourth club in it being St Kilda was really just stockpiling some late picks. <laughs> um, so, what happened? Melbourne got 17, 37, and 49. The Dogs got 23, 44. And 45. Adelaide got 33 in a future first, being Melbourne's future first, um, and 75. And St Kilda got uh, 62, 60, and the Crows' future fourth, which we've kind of priced at about pick 60 ish. Um, so, funnily enough, just first kind of take, um, uh, I thought, you know. I thought the dogs had done well in this one because um, it gives them the points for Darcy. Yep. They, they And that was the intent of giving up 17 was to get more points. So I thought they'd done really well. And then I kind of thought that, you know, potentially Melbourne, you know, we've probably given away a little bit too much potentially. Um, but then when I went and did the numbers, <laughs> it's a little bit different. So um, the D's 7.95 points in, 8.95 out. So down 100, you know, not a, not a huge one. Dogs certainly win it here, so 15-24 in and 10-25 out, so that helps them pay for Darcy this year. So two years running, they get a top three talent. The Crows, 15-48 in and 2,009 points out, and that's if Melbourne finishes top again. So um, if Melbourne finishes, say, eighth, that points in jumps to 17-75. Um, so it makes it a bit more palatable. And then the Saints jumped in at the end there with 349 in and 287 out, and that's to help pay for a couple of NGA players, we believe. So um, it's a big one. It's one of the more complex trades I think we've seen in a while. Where are you yeah. at? Yeah. I mean, I get why all clubs were involved. Um and why they would all make the deals. Um, I think that the D's have done well out of it, given 
the charge towards finals. I think that I understand why the Crows exited um, as much points as they could in order to get their hands on a future pick because future picks are really valuable. Um, you can carry them forward for another 12 months and use them again as a trade asset, whereas if you can't use all your picks at the draft, then you might as well give them to somebody else to use and, and try to get something out of it. But typically, when you trade into the future, you get a premium, um, which is probably where I see this as the, as the loss, is just that I would have expected the fact that they got a future first back to mean that they had 1548 out and, uh, I mean, 1548 in and um, 1448 out or less. Um, I would have been expecting that to be, if anything, towards them. So they're probably the losers in this trade from a pure outside perspective, but um, they're facilitating their needs as well. So, yeah, look, yeah, Yeah. I, I think. I mean, we won't know the end result until next year, but I, I think in general, I think all sides are kind of getting what they're after out of this. And to be honest, if that Melbourne pick helps them get Dawson, it's worth it. Yep. So um, running through some player swaps. So Nathan Kruger to Collingwood. So uh, Kruger in a third round, 55 for a third round in pick 41. So an upgrade of 14 spots. Um was the price for Kruger. I think it's good for the Collingwood. They need another tall up forward and um, he wasn't getting an opportunity. Yep. Yep. Um, Cat saw something in him, but didn't play him. Always a problem with playing older players constantly is you never get to see what the younger guys could do. Yep. Uh, Finlayson to Port Adelaide for a future third round, probably somewhere in the 50s. Yep. Um, Good deal for Port, good deal for the Giants. Um, yeah. I think that jo- the Giants had other players that can play Jeremy Finlayson's role um, and Port probably see this as an upgrade in their best 22 and the way towards a flag. So I understand why both teams made the trade. Yeah, swingman and flexible. I like it. Yeah. Um, uh, what do we got? Will Brody to Fremantle. And, and actually... I will when we talk about this. Actually, I want to come back to this one. So I'll, I'll, I'll will Brody to Fremantle. It's there's a good topic out of this one. Um, Lewis Young to Carlton and Petrovsky Seaton to West Coast, and the Dogs got fifty two. Good deal all round. Uh, did you jump ahead of the Adam Chera trade? Yeah, yeah, we're coming back to it. Don't okay, worry. all right, I'll leave it to you. Um. Yeah, I mean, great deal for West Coast. Um, fine deal for the Western Bulldogs and Carlton. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, if I had, to, if I was offered all three of those assets, I would take Sam Petrovsky Seaton first. So yeah. yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, look, if West Coast can bring him back, and and remembering he was. You know, playing very well. You know, less than two seasons ago, um, never quite hit the heights that we expected, but still playing adequate football. So if they can get him back to that level and then push him up, he, he will certainly go a long way for them. Tarrant to Richmond, Callum Coleman Jones to North Melbourne. Um, along with that, um, Robbie Tarrant came with pick forty in a future second. Um, Coleman Jones came with forty-two and forty-seven in a future fourth. So. Um, look, 
I think effectively this works out that Callum Coleman Jones for North's future second, I think, is how it balances out. Yeah. Um, or maybe slight discount, like a slight drop down the draft order in points, but not much. Yep. Um, and the Robbie Tarrant was included because they didn't want to dilute the Marbiel Chol um, compensation. Yep. So um, I think Richmond wins just by not diluting that pick. Yeah. Um, yeah it's which a- is- you're right, which we win by not diluting that pick. Also, getting North's future second is a boon. Um, I mean, North are backing themselves to improve, but I don't think that they should have parted with their future second. Um, if I, look, you don't know what it takes to actually get these deals done because you don't know how convinced the club is that they're going to stick fat with a with a trade or with a player or not move, but. Um, I feel like one of those future fourths that um, one of these current thirds that came to them, if they didn't get one of them, say they didn't get 42 um, and they instead gave their future third, I reckon the deal would have happened. It would have probably been about the same cost, except they would have held their future second still, which could end up being as high as 1920. So um, that would have probably been a bit, bit more fair. Yeah. And look, and Tarrant fills the, the Dave Asprey role, Coleman Jones um, can can move into a you know pretty much a best twenty two spot, um, rotating forward with Nick Larkey and sharing the ruck duties with um, Big Goldie. So I think it's a it, you know both players fit distinct holes on their list. Tigers also have um, Ivan Soldo coming back next year, so um, you know I still don't think they wanted to lose Coleman Jones, but. It's still... Soldo, Nan Curvis, um, Rewalt, and Tom Lynch are going to take up all of those spots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, like you, you never know. Like Melbourne's playing the. Oh yeah, you know you play Soldo. Yeah, do you play Soldo and Nan Curvis? I'm not sure you do. But anyway, that's that's a debate for a future day. Um, Lipinski to Collingwood um, for pick 43. Uh, great deal for Collingwood. I think that's a winner. Yeah, I, I'm less. I, I'm more like this is a fair deal. Um, I like. I don't see how you could get Lipinski for a second round pick. Like, I would say that if I saw that Lipinski was traded for a second round pick or even a future second round pick, I would have said overs. Um, he's not a best twenty two player regular. He's an irregular best twenty two player. He's played some good football, but in a side that gives people a lot of possessions. Um, so I, I am happy. I, I reckon that if you had to give me a choice between 43 and Pat Lipinski, I would take Pat Lipinski. I think that, that Colling would have won this trade. I don't think by as far as what people are suggesting. So I'm going to, uh, this is my problem when we sit here, like I know you and I do it as well, like a first round or a second rounder. There's 18 clubs. Uh, a first rounder has 18 p- possible positions. Yep. And second round, you know, like, so, you know, if you said pick 20 or 22 or something for Lipinski, yeah, I agree with you. But if you had a said Lipinski for 31 or 30, you know, like his value somewhere there. Like, I, I, yeah, it's about 10. It, I think I feel like it's about 10 picks off. But Collingwood didn't have a pick there at the time, I don't think. Yeah. Maybe... I mean, I, I understand um, that Collingwood have won this trade. I just would – I'm withholding – confidence that Lipinski will turn into a regular best 22 player, even at Collingwood. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll wait and see. I, I hold a different view, but that's fine. Um, 
Will Brody to Fremantle. Now, the reason why I want to talk about this is because we've, you and I have spoken many times on this podcast about when the AFL figures out how to trade salary cap or if it ever allows to. So they talk in the States, you know, the cost of a, of a first-round pick in the NBA is, you know, um, like $2 million or $2.3 million of cap space or something. It's like a... Um, uh, a veteran exception or something they call it. Um, so there's, there's a defined value kind of if, if you want to get a first round pick and what it costs, and that that's a non lottery pick over there. Um, and in an, in AFL, we've always had these trades where where people have paid part of salary or anything like that, but we don't ever have anything like a pure salary dump these days. Like we, there's no there's nothing like that. So this. We first heard wind that um, pick 19 was potentially going to North Melbourne um, with McPherson um, to take his salary off the books. That fell over when I believe McPherson didn't want to go. So then up comes Will Brody, who's, who's by all accounts on a, on a semi-healthy-ish contract um, and alleviating a tight cap at the Gold Coast. And so he goes along with pick 19 and two fourth-round picks in 61 and 69, and and Gold Coast get back a future second round and a future fourth round. So effectively, Gold Coast, with their picks, have paid for that salary to disappear off their books, Yeah, is what that is. And the AFL has processed it and let it go through. So this is the first proper cap dump I have seen in a trade period. I've seen, I've seen, you know, moving salaries off books and and all that. But generally, the picks aren't too far over what a player's market value is. This would value um, Will Brody as a second round pick or something. This trade. Yeah, I mean, it was there was a version of this last year with the Trelaw deal. Um, yeah, but Collingwood paid more. To get Trelaw off their books, yeah, you're than, right. Then any like that, like the yeah, Collingwood not only lost an A grade player, they then paid three hundred grand, and then still lost the trade. Like then still got screwed in the trade. Yeah, this this is like, this is much more of an example of like Will Brody in this example here is a vessel rather than an asset. Um, and I don't mean that because Will Brody isn't a good player and won't turn into a good player. But if the Gold Coast Suns, for example, could delist Will Brody and trade Fremantle um, a four hundred thousand uh, dollar, or Fremantle could trade a four hundred thousand dollar exception um, to take that salary off their books, it would be that this is what the equivalent is. Like they're facilitating that they're facilitating a list spot because Gold Coast have to turn in these bonus list spots that they had into less and less and less. Um, and they're saving salary. So I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Great so, deal. Great deal for Freo. Yeah, so Freo for taking for taking it off the books, and let's assume Freo you know, finished somewhere about where they did this year. It's effectively, you know, pick a pick fifty is the cost of taking that salary. So Will tra- Will Brody has been traded for the equivalent of pick fifty something when you make some assumptions, but realistically 
the trade. Yeah, when that's he's been discounted because of the salary. Yeah, but yeah, I don't, yeah. Sorry, I think it's, I got it wrong before. But yeah, I mean, look, like it, it's just a this is this is a salary dump the way it should be done. Trelaw yeah. was a salary dump where the dogs just reamed, took everything. Yeah, yeah, you're um, right. It was it wasn't a it wasn't a fair deal. Like no. in the in this scenario. Gold Coast see this as a fair deal because they're getting rid of a unwanted salary position um, for a, like Collingwood would not have possibly seen that Trelaw deal as a good deal, but they had no option. They literally had to get it off the books or they would be in breach of the rules. Um, Gold Coast here, it looks like they're actually would have had other options. Um, they could have looked for other trades. They would have probably found other partners to facilitate this. Um mm. Yeah, exactly, and I, and I think that's yeah. You don't ever want to be in that position that Collingwood were in, but yeah, I think it's um yeah. Look, I really like it, and you know, seeing clubs like Frio and North who have the salary cap space willing to do that, um, is a good sign because I think it's going to be important. Like a, a club like Hawthorne, if it can clear some salary cap space potentially next year, this is an opportunity for them to get more picks in the door next year or upgrade their picks to higher picks by being willing to take on some unfavorable contracts. So um, I think a lot of teams, it's a new tool to rebuild and it's a tool that, you know, probably is going to become more widely accepted. And, you know, the fact that the AFL signed off on this pretty comfortably, um, you know, that's a good sign. Um, We'll rip in quickly to, there's two days left in trade period. One more Um, trade, Chera. Oh, do I skip that one? Just quickly, you did. Um, the Chera deal is interesting because of the flow-on Will Brody deal. Um, like that's another thing that is good for the Dockers out of this is that they have a best twenty-two position spot created by the loss of Chera. And yeah. look, it'll probably be taken by the player that they use that draft pick on. But it's better to slot in a midfielder who potentially has been overlooked and, and can have a fair crack at it next year. So um, I think the Adam Chera deal in terms of total assets is fair. Um, I think that they would like if you had to choose between a first round pick at six and a future third or Chera, you would take Chera. Yep. Um, so Carlton win the trade, but there was yeah, it was going to be too hard for Frio to get anything else out of it. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think I just think they've acted in really good faith. So, like yep. we've, we were talking about this before, a lot of trades have been done with sides acting in good faith and valuing things. You know, Lipinski for 43 is another good example. You know, the dogs could have haggled to try and get into the 30s. Collingwood didn't have the pick, so what do they do? Um, and I think this is a really good example. Fremantle would have wanted two firsts. They then stumped up with a bit more of a realistic price, being a first and a second. Um, it got haggled over. It's ended up as a first and a third. Um, I think it's really fair value for for Chera. Um, he's a pick five, four years into his career. I don't think he's any less valuable than he was when he was drafted, but I also don't think he's any more valuable than when that he was is drafted. Exactly, Adam Chera. He yeah. is that exactly that valuable. Yeah, and and so it's a it's a great trade in terms of fair value for a player done well. Both sides, both teams, trade teams, massive props because it's not a stupid two first round selection trade. 
Yep. And I'm glad clubs are moving towards this. You know, as much as you do want two first rounders for every good player you've got, and Chera, you know, when you look at the de- the deals in going back and who got two first rounders, Chera probably could have fitted into that bill. But yeah, just on age. Yeah. Yeah, but it but this is a fair deal. Frio took a fair deal. Carlton offered a fair deal. Well done both sides. I think Carlton will will love having Adam Chera and Freeman will miss him immensely. However, they're also building quite nicely. Will Brody, as you said, comes in. He offers immediate competition for that spot. They've also got uh, Sarong, who's developing nicely. Um, and obviously, whoever they take with a pick six is most likely in this draft going to be a midfielder. So on in the long term, they'll build that position back out. They're effectively going to get two two players for the price of one. Yep. Um, all right. So jumping in to trades upcoming potentially um, and just talking about some value and where they fit. Um, let's start with Jordan Dawson, an interesting one because a guy who, what is he, five or six years into his career now, um, about six years, yep, 2015 draft, taken in the fourth round by the Swans, um, showed some promise in 2019 and 2020, but then just, you know, um, took the bull by the horns this year, um, had an absolute standout year, finished third in a top 16 in the best and fairest, which is no mean feat. Um, and he's gone and requested a trade home. And by the sounds of it, the contract wise, there wasn't a hell of a lot of difference between uh, the three parties jostling for his future services. And, um, you know, the lure of going home has, has, uh, has got him at 25 years old. Um, how do you actually value him? How do, what's he worth? Uh, 12 to 18 is what he's worth. Um, don't know if it gets done with any of those, like if there are the assets to just make it as simple as that. Um, but that's, that's where he's worth. Um, what, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, look, I really struggled to, to put a value on and this, and he's, he's just one of the, I mean, there's a, yeah, it's a bit like Papley, you know, when though Carlton were looking to get Papley, I think they had like pick 11 or something. Yeah. Um, and that kind of felt like at the top end of Papley's range. And I think with Dawson, that feels about the same. Yeah. Um, I certainly think he's worthy of a, um, a, a late first rounder or a teens pick. Um, so I think that's what it's going to cost. Uh, Melbourne's future first. <sighs> Given that the NGAs are just like, they're really being stripped back next year. Um, Melbourne's first is probably less likely to be diluted. Um, so it's more likely to fall, you know, around like within the first 18 picks. And if Melbourne perform like they did this year, you, you're looking at, you know, a, a, probably a pick between 14 and 18. So that feels about right. Um, there might need to be some kickers or sweeteners in there, but I would have thought the future, Melbourne's future first um, from Adelaide would be enough to get it done. Yeah, I I think it it could be in the end. Um, uh, potentially, if it's a side like Richmond um, wants to move on fifteen for Melbourne's future first and maybe another pick, then they can make that happen and get them a pick in this year's draft that Sydney might want a bit more. But 
I think it's I think it's thereabouts. I think it should end up being done for about that. Yeah, yeah. And look, I get also some Sydney supporters' arguments about, you know, in this year's draft, he's probably being taken very early. Um, I get the argument. Um, I don't quite agree with it though. I, do, I think, yeah, do, like when you when you take someone in the draft, you get their entire career. You get the risk yeah. that's associated with it. But just looking at the list right now, like this is before ours is fully updated and released, but where it sits at the moment, um, he's below Horn Francis, Dacos, Darcy, Callaghan, Hobbs, Erasmus, Gibkus Ward, Mac Andrew, Amiss, Matt Johnson. I reckon that's about the that's thirteen. That's about yeah. the range where I start going, eh, maybe. So this that's Sin, Naziah, uh, Wangani, Malera. Goda, Matt Roberts, Rochelle, Draper, Sonzi, Chessa, Van Ruyen. Like, that's the next 10 picks after that. And he feels like, you know, if it was Rochelle, Roberts, Goda, Wangani, Malera, Sin, Johnson, that he'd be in that mix. I don't think he's above that. I don't think he's in the um, Amiss, Ward, Gibkiss spot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, he would go high enough. And part of that is because he's 25. So yeah. you, you, you've lost five years. Yeah, exactly. And, you've and lost seven, seven years. Yeah. Like if you're talking, if you know what Jordan Dawson's going to be yeah. at 25 yeah, and yeah. you're drafting, then, yeah, then you, you get know, all of the benefits of all of those years of him playing. Then uh, we can talk about him maybe being, you know, a top 10 pick there. But that, yeah. And I think that's, you know, you're right. That's exactly the way to look at it. So, yep, I think we're agreed. Picking the teens, let's get it done. Um, yeah. Laddams. Um, nominated Sydney, so yep. th- this potentially could help get Laddams in. Um, I don't. I think Port Adelaide asking for a first is crazy, personally. Yep, same. Um, I think my personal opinion on his value somewhere between twenty five and thirty five in that ten pick area. Yeah, he's yeah he's worth somewhere around a mid second round pick. Yeah, if, if Coleman Jones is worth say, you know, North's future second area. I see Laddams as slightly behind that. I see him as about the same. Um, yeah. I mean, he's probably got more runs on the board, um, but less potential. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, how does Sydney get it done? Yeah, I, I, the Laddams deal. Um, uh, what have they got? 31? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. 31 and maybe a, th- a third round upgrade or something. Yeah, maybe. It may, maybe not even. Like, I, I think if you held tough, 31 would get it done. But yeah, yeah 30, 31. Um, yeah, the only and, risk is that because he's under contract, they may need to just pay a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, look, 30, 31 and um, yeah, an upgrade somewhere. Um, yeah. Like a current fourth, the Port don't have many picks. So, like a current fourth rounder for a future fourth rounder or something like that. Yeah. Bobby Hill nominated Essendon, um, apparently. So, um, you know, super exciting player. Not one that I think GWS would be overly pleased to lose. Um, yeah, it's been some cooling on this one as well today, I think. Is um, it? Okay. Yeah, just as the lob deal cools, um, the or potential lob deal cools, um, the potential Bobby Hill deal also cools because I think that... Salary it, space, salary cap space. Salary cap list spots um, as in... like Yeah, there's, there's I think there's a whole lot of reasons. I think clubs were trying to work out as well who was available 
um, if Lift Lob was going to be coming in. So that that's potentially cooling, but um, I think that he, if he goes, then he gets done for a pick around the middle of the second round, probably similar to where he got picked up originally. I don't think what, he's done was much. 20, 23, 24, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I, I would probably say, yeah. Around pick, the Laddams pick. Like, yeah. as in somewhere. 27 or 30 kind of yeah. feels, yeah. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah. Um, one that cropped up today, um, Omira to Port Adelaide. So this would probably be contingent on Laddams going out the door. Yep. I love the fit. I think it's something that Port don't have in their midfield. Um, I don't know if they've got the capital to get it done. Have they still got their first round pick this year? Uh, they do, don't they? Oh, yeah, they do. So they've still got 16. Um, that probably gets it done. Um, Feels a little bit overs though, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that there would have to be something back. Um, I don't know what that something looks like. As I said, there's not many picks. Um, like Hawthorne don't have many picks in the third round. So the only thing would be like the second round. Like I think, wait, let's work this out. Jagger O'Meara and Hawthorne's pick 24 for yeah. Port Adelaide's pick 16. And Port Adelaide's future second, that is close enough to me. Ooh. So it's it's an upgrade for Port Adelaide from future seconds to twenty four. Hawks get a pick that they assume will be somewhere from thirty to thirty six back for that, and they get a roughly ten pick increase into the first rounds. Gets them into that bunch that we talked about there being Rochelle, Roberts, Arlo Draper, Goda. Sonzi, that area, which is a good area of the draft to be in as well. Some value in there. So, yeah. yeah. No, look, I, I don't mind that. I like that. That's a pretty good one. I mean, look, Hawks, Hawks fans are probably going to want more. I won't lie, but I actually think that's quite fair. And especially Omira is, what, 27 seven now? If I had to guess, but maybe 26. He was pretty young when he moved. Um, um, yeah, what is he? There we go. Hang on. 27, um, yeah, turns 27. 20, 28 in um, February. Okay. Um, then we've got a bit of a ruck merry-go-round to, to go with the Laddams uh, one. So uh, Fort to Brisbane, Segler to, to Geelong, sure. Lynch to Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Um, to which, will mean, Segler. which will mean the pick out of all that ends up with Collingwood. Collingwood. Who probably want the pick to pay? Oh no, they've got enough points now to pay for Dacos. So still good to get a extra extra points in. Um, I mean, yeah. I think they would be happy with the pick. Um, what uh, Fort is worth a third at best, uh, Segler oh, yeah. a second at best, and Lynch probably a second, late second to third. So uh, I think we're I think we're dealing in the third round. Yeah, yeah. so there's a third round pick that filters through from Brisbane um, through to Collingwood there. Like yeah. if, if that's how the dominoes fall, Brisbane pick 54, pick 50, pick Brisbane's, 50. Brisbane's pick 50 goes yeah. to Collingwood and that, that three-way trade gets done. Yeah, I think 50, that gets it all done. That's fine. And then an interesting one, just I'm fascinated by, and I know clubs want to take a hard line, but Tristan Jerry has is it rumoured to, to want to go to St Kilda and the Roos have named a second round pick as the price. Yeah, I think they said like he's a 
guaranteed player. Like he's a player that we want as part of our build. Um, we don't want to trade him. So that, it seems like they're setting a high price for a player that they don't want to move, which for me makes sense. Because look, Jerry would be in the same mold salary-wise and list position-wise to Lynch. Lynch maybe has more upside. I actually um, I haven't seen enough of Jerry playing that number one ruck role. He doesn't play well as a forward um, in order to see it. But I get it. Because what happens if Goldie's gone? Um, I I, dis- I think bringing Coleman Jones, Charlie Coleman developing. Um, yeah, I, 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 think, just, I think the writing's on the wall for Jerry and he's making the right decision to try and get out while I he's got some yeah, I, I think that Jerry's just a ruckman. I think Jerry, Jerry is a number one ruckman. He's very similar to um, other not excellent ruckman but serviceable like Pitnet. Um, who do not play well forward. Um, they're not agile. They're nothing like that. They are beam poles who are good at being competitive at being tall, um, which means that they play Evans well. Aldo. Yeah, they play very well against people like Coleman Jones in the ruck because Coleman Jones is a bit bulkier, a bit better around the ground, that type of thing. But they don't deal as well with the extra five centimetres above them. So I think it's a... Yeah, I don't think that I don't think anything will happen out of it. Yeah, look, I, I don't think well the price means the trade won't happen in yeah. my eyes. I think it, it, and and I don't think that the price is genuinely a real value on Jerry. Like, no, oh, either do I. I think that if uh, Collingwood came out and said we want uh, Lynch is nominated St Kilda and we want a second round pick, then I think you might be talking a bit closer because I feel like you would be going, all right, Grundy's going to be there forever it's very likely that you can move on a ruck and bring in someone else's depth in that time. You've got Cameron who's playing pretty reasonable football. I think this deal could get done for a late second, early third. Um, but no, I don't think Sherry moves anywhere. Yeah. And, and I also just don't think St Kilda needs to be. Like, no. if, if they can get it done for a pick in the 50s, go for it. Yep. Um, but yeah, if it's not in the fifties and to be honest, I, I probably would argue that, you know, North, North overvaluing, or they're, I mean, they're playing the game, um, you know, maybe not over, maybe internally they value him correctly. We don't know, but, um, I just think that given you bring in another Ruckman who literally plays the same position, um, clearly that tells you they probably don't rate one of the under underlying rocks. Yep. Um, and given publicly, I think I've heard a fair bit talked about Combin, you would be led to believe it's probably, um, uh, it's probably going to be Jerry is the one that, that'll pay for this. So, I mean, if he, if he doesn't get traded and he spends the year there and he plays nothing but VFL, you know, I would say North hasn't acted in the best interest for his career. Yeah, and they're not. They they don't have to. But no, no, no. I it, I understand. I it, think I think for them, um, he finished second in their VFL best and fairest. Um, and the reason that he didn't play ones was because he Goldie played and he couldn't play any other role. Um, so for me, uh, I think that you do keep around your second ruck. Um, and if they see him as the clear eventual successor regardless of assets coming in because you actually don't know what you get until they arrive 
Like with Coleman Jones, you don't know if he's going to be a ruckman until you see him going up against Goldie and you go, okay, crap, we don't need Jerry anymore. Um, I think, you know, I think there's enough data on Coleman Jones that, you know, and look, Jerry did play eight games yeah, he this played, year. Yeah, and he, he just needs to not be playing as a forward. Uh, that's, yeah. not, that's not his role. Yep, no, you're absolutely spot on, mate. Um, I think we'll leave it there. We do have a few other things. Um, you've spat out the draft board a few times, so people might need to listen to that on uh, playback a few times to, to get a uh, rough yeah, list. I think we can put up an updated list in the coming days, uh, yeah. the draft board. We'll release a podcast. I'm moving middle of this week, so probably unpacking on the weekends. Maybe we can get another episode um, sometime around then, but um, yeah. love, to, love to get back and get back recording again. Yeah, absolutely. We've still got a few clubs to go in that new format, which I thought worked really well. I had a good listen to it a few times in the break, missing uh, actually doing the podcast. I listened a bit more than I normally would. So I thought that that worked really well, doing the clubs like that. Um, The next pod won't be that. We're probably going to just talk a bit more about um, the draft, list builds, um, a a bit of a... uh, interest in how rule changes affect list builds in that as well um, and then run through in a bit more detail our top 20 in the draft at the moment based on everything we've seen to date without any data from combines absolutely love it mate well um great to see you again thanks again for listening everybody um and as i said uh reach out to us on twitter if you need anything um a few people stealing with some mental health and um, anxiety regarding lockdowns and COVID and a whole lot of other sort of things at the moment. So just reach out at Listics, at Sean, um, if you want to reach out and chat to us. But um, stay safe all. Thank you for listening and thanks for recording again, Sean. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Um, be safe and, and um, freedom hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, love you, mate. See you, mate. Love you. If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. Know when anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.